You're listening to the teaching ministry of Queen City First Baptist Church, where friends become family. For more information, log on to www.fbcqc.org. We've been in a series called Going Bold that we started a number of weeks ago. Our uh, key text for this series is actually found in Acts chapter 4. Uh, going bold. We've, we've extended a challenge to you, the, the 40 days leading up to Thanksgiving Day, um, different things that you can do each day. I think the challenge for today is to, uh, uh, to put together a shoebox, uh, if you haven't already done that. If you have, uh, then uh, certainly pray over that shoebox and make sure you get it here by Wednesday evening so that it can be shipped off to uh, uh, somewhere around the world. We want to be a blessing to, to boys and girls, and I want you to make certain you realize that a gospel presentation goes with each of those boxes, and so what a great opportunity Going bold, and I hope that each day you've accepted uh, those challenges. I know many of you have, and it's uh, exciting to see what God is doing through this whole thing. Uh, One of the things that we established in the first message is if we're going to go bold, we have to make certain that we're on the right path. You've got to make certain that you're going in the right direction, and that begins uh, in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot possibly be right with God apart from a personal relationship with Christ. That's what we were just singing about. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. That's a debt that you could never pay yourself. I could never pay myself. And so thank the Lord uh, for the supreme sacrifice that he made on our behalf. Uh, And so until you are in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you're going in the wrong direction. You may say, well, but I'm a a good person. That's amazing. Uh, And I'm glad you are a good person by the world's standards. But God says that's not acceptable. Uh, What he demands is perfection. Uh, and you say, well, 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 good luck with that. None of us can possibly be perfect. That's exactly right. That's why we have to place our faith in the one who is perfect, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the beginning. And then we established this definition for going bold. What does it mean to go bold? Going bold is an unashamed commitment to Christ, resulting in radical obedience without regard for personal comfort or convenience. An unashamed commitment to Christ resulting in radical obedience without regard for personal comfort or convenience. Uh, We were looking at uh, Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 there. I want to remind you of verse number 13 particularly. It's been kind of the key text, the foundational text for this series of messages. Remember Peter and John had just been a part of a a guy's healing, the guy that laid for his entire life uh, there at the gate beautiful. Um, it, it, they, he, they pass by. This guy's expecting a, a monetary gift of some sort. It's when Peter and John say, hey, uh, silver and gold have we none, but what we do have we give you in the name of rise up and walk. And these people see this guy, all of a sudden this guy who his entire life has been laying here lame, begging essentially for his existence. Now he's jumping and leaping and, and all these things. And so this stirs up the religious leaders of the day, which was not that uncommon. And then it tells us here in in chapter 4, verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and realized that they had been with Jesus. Remember, it tells us a little later in this same chapter that uh, that these religious leaders, they called Peter and John in and said, Hey, you've got to shut your mouths. This this whole teaching, preaching in the name of Jesus thing, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. And so they were forced to make a decision. Remember, uh, we said that in, in Scripture, whenever you see the concept, the idea of going bold, it is typically in the face of opposition or adversity. And so uh, they were facing some adversity here, some opposition. Uh, there were those who were telling them, stop doing this. Stop teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus. So they had to make a decision. And we've talked about that in this series. 
Sometimes you got to decide once and for all, I'm going to get off the fence. I'm going to quit this wishy-washy business. I'm going to draw that line in the sand. And like Joshua and others that we looked at in Scripture, I'm going to decide. I'm going to choose once and for all. I'm making that unashamed commitment to Christ. And I'm going to make an unashamed commitment that results in radical obedience. And I'm going to obey regardless of whether I can do it and be comfortable or whether I can stay in my comfort zone or, or whether I can, I can, everything can be convenient for me. Now, I'm making that decision. Well, that's what Peter and John had to do. They had to make a decision that resulted in radical obedience. Now, last week we considered this. Consistent radical obedience equals holiness. Holiness. Now, if you're bothered by that word holy or holiness or the idea of it, and you're thinking, well, that's just something I couldn't possibly, that's just so far in a different realm for me spiritually, that's reserved for the so-called super saints or for the church staff or for the you know, people who've been doing it. No, no, remember, spir- spiritual health is holiness. To be spiritually healthy is to be holy. And we looked at the different aspects of being spiritually healthy. Your diet. We talked about how many people uh, view God's word as, as snack food. Or his birthday cake is just for special occasions when in reality we're to feast upon the riches of God's word. Uh, we're to dig into the meat of the word as we grow spiritually. It's not to just be snack food for us. So your diet's important. Uh, your exercise spiritually. Exercise yourself to godliness. How are you applying the things that you're learning uh, from your time in the word of God? How are you serving? Where are you serving? How is it that God's using you in his kingdom work? That's exercise. We talked about rest. Resting on the promises of God. If you're spiritually exhausted today, it's probably because you're fearful or you're worried. Why is that? It's because you're failing to trust, rest on the promises of God. Rely upon Him. Rely upon Him. Trust in Him. He says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. So are you resting like you should? Then we talked about hygiene, how important it is uh, that, we, that, we, that we be cleansed. Uh, Scripture says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we're talking about this this passionate pursuit of holiness. And I mentioned a book written by Jerry Bridges, who uh, has been uh, has, has such a huge impact on my life. Uh, he's written other books like um, uh, Respectable Sins. Um, the pursuit of holiness. The, the, he's written so much about godliness and, and, and living for the Lord. Uh, and so we've, we talked about this passionate pursuit of holiness. But while we are in a passionate pursuit of holiness, we must also this morning go bold in resisting fleeing temptation. Now, this, this is not an either-or uh, proposition. It's not as if you can say, well, I tell you what I, I'm going to do. I, I'm going to be really passionate in my pursuit of holiness, but maybe not so passionate in resisting or fleeing temptation. Too many times, uh, we have this idea that we can play with the devil. We can bargain with the devil. He's not playing games, trust me. He's not playing games. That's why Scripture tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. So make no mistake about it, we're talking about spiritual warfare. This is not an either-or thing. This is not a, well, I'm just going to not do certain things, but you know, it's something that we do simultaneously. In fact, Romans chapter 12 tells us this. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. If you have an old King James, it, it uses the word dissimulation there. It's a word that means play-acting. 
Let love be without play acting. Don't play two parts. It goes back to that concept of make a decision. Get off the fence. And then he expounds upon that. Paul does in writing there. He says, abhor that which is evil. Cling to that which is good. It's both and, not either or. So while you are passionately pursuing holiness, you must also at the same time abhor that which is evil. Now that word abhor is a strong word, isn't it? If you abhor something, if you say, man, I just absolutely abhor that. You don't mean, well, I just kind of dislike it. I mean, you know, there's some, there, there's certain foods that I don't really care for a whole lot, but I'll eat them. I, I can tolerate them. You know, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm kind of, you know, but they're not my favorite necessarily. There are some foods that I abhor. English peas. I abhor little green English peas. Now, I like purple whole peas. I like black eyed peas, but little English peas, I abhor them. It's not as if I can just kind of talk. I abhor English peas. I can't explain. I don't know why it is. I just don't at all. Okay? So whenever you see that word abhor, think despise. Something that you want to stay away from. Something you want, don't want to have anything to do with. It's not, we're not talking about something that you can just kind of tolerate. Or something that might inconvenience you, but, but you're okay with it. You know, there's a lot of things like that in life. I mean, I, you know, I can't stand sitting in traffic. You know, I, I grew up in the Metroplex. I, I learned to drive in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And, and I, I was very familiar from the time I started driving with what it is to drive, you know, with, with thousands of other people and many of them just crazy out of their head trying to get to where they've got to go. And I understand what it is to drive, you know, kind of aggressively. Otherwise, you're going to get run over and killed. And so I get that. But check this out. I've lived in Mayberry so long now that I can't stand that. All right? Every time I go back over there, I'm like, I hate this. I, this is just absolutely crazy. But, but I've learned to live with it. I, I mean, you know, I, I can't just like check out. I can't just start ramming people as much as I would like to. I've always wished they would like develop some kind of little thing where you could shoot like those little suction cups and they would land on someone's car and then a flag would unfurl that would say, idiot driver. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? You could just say, boom, and then the flag unfurls. And they got to drive around the rest of the day with that flag hanging off their car. I think things like this. That's how spiritual your pastor is. See, that, isn't that something? I know you're impressed. No, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about, we're not talking about something that you, you don't really care for, but you've learned to tolerate. And, no, we're talking about abhor that which is evil while you cling to that which is good. So understand how all this, this all fits together. While we are passionately pursuing holiness, we must at the same time flee, resist temptation. God's Word has a lot to say about this. That's why I've asked you to turn to James chapter 1. It's a classic passage of Scripture on temptation and how it works, how it affects us, how it impacts our lives spiritually. James chapter 1. Let's look together at verses 13 through 16. One of the things we've got to make crystal clear here is uh, the meaning of words. Uh, Don't assume every time you read in your English Bible the word tempt... Uh, that it is a reference to an enticement to evil. Normally, whenever we think of the word tempt, okay, we think of an enticement to do something that we shouldn't do. All right, Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. Uh, but, but sometimes in Scripture, it would be in our English Bibles, it's translated tempt when it's really test. 
Okay, so, so, so you've got to be clear about that. And it's used, you know, it's used in different ways in different sections of Scripture here. So understand this, verse 13, he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. That, that's the word enticement to evil. God doesn't entice us to do evil. God's not playing games with us. God's not going to go, hey, you know, God doesn't do that. He says, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But here's how it works. The Bible makes it clear in other places that we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices or his schemes or his ploys or his tricks. So this is like looking at his playbook. Uh, This is like, uh, you know, this this is what he does many times. This is how temptation works. He says this, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived my beloved brethren. That tells us James is writing to believers. Don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Don't be ignorant of the way this thing works. Don't be stupid to the way that temptation and lust and desire and all of these things work. Don't be ignorant to that. So there are four things I want to give you today to help you better understand how this whole thing of temptation works and how, how we can learn to, to, to not just deal with it, but to, but, to, uh, but to resist it, to flee from it. In fact, Scripture tells us that we're to flee uh, certain things. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, he says, flee sexual immorality. Don't toy with it. Don't play with it. Don't hang around with it. Flee it. Run from it. Get away from it. I mean, if you were to walk upon a venomous snake... You know, you're not going to bend down and go, ooh, how cute, you know, and, and decide you're going to try to play with this thing a little bit. No, you play with snakes, you're going to probably get bit. You play with fire, you're probably going to get burnt. And so there's this concept of this idea of, of running, fleeing, resisting the enemy. But it starts with desire. Desire. Notice that's what James tells us. Uh, in, in the old King James, uh, the word desire, I think, is translated lust, Okay. Uh, so he says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Okay? Uh, many times we think of the word lust in a negative connotation. And, and that's understandable, but you've got to understand. Uh, th- there are times when may, we may lust or desire something, but not necessarily in a sinful sort of way. I mean, you, you can drive past a car lot and you can look over and see a, a really nice vehicle. And you can maybe desire to have that. All right? That, that is a form of lust. We, don't normally, we think, normally think of lust in, in a sexual connotation and that sort of a thing. But we're talking about a strong desire here. Okay? There's nothing sinful necessarily about having a desire for something. It's what do you do with that desire? It's as we often say. Uh, the, the issue with temptation is, is not in the bait. It's in the bite. It is not sinful to be tempted. We know that because Scripture tells us that the Lord Jesus himself was tempted in all points like as we are and yet without sin. It's what do you do with that temptation? What do you do with that enticement? And so this whole thing begins with desire. Um, We were over in the Metroplex over the weekend, of course, with uh, the girls' volleyball and playoff football and all those things. And uh, we got into Rockwall a little earlier than we had anticipated. We were going to meet some of our family at a... 
at a restaurant there in Rockwall and eat before we went over to the volleyball game. And so we decided to go on across the lake and spend a few minutes at the Bass Pro Shop there uh, right off the lake. And so we walk into Bass Pro Shop. Uh, we, we like to just walk around, look at the animals, the waterfall, the neat stuff that they have there. It wasn't very long uh, after we walked into the front of the, of, of the Bass Pro Shop there that, that I began to smell something. And I liked what I smelled. I was like, boy, that smells good. It didn't take me very long to realize I'm not just smelling a candle that's burning over here in the corner somewhere. So we walked around a little bit, and I kept smelling this. And it started having an effect on me. I mean, it was like, I, I, I was really, already kind of hungry by that point anyway. And the, the smell that I was experiencing, it, was, it, it caused my mouth to start watering just a little bit. And it didn't take me very long to realize what that smell was. And I, and, and I, so I want to show you a picture uh, 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 what, what? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yep. One of my favorite things about this time of year is cinnamon roasted pecans. Can I get a witness? Amen. Whew. Man, I love it. I could smell it. So we walked around like 15 or 20 minutes here, and I just kept smelling that. And finally, it was a crazy thing. I told my wife, I said, babe, I said, I got to find out where that smell's coming from. And so I started following my nose. We walked around a little, I, could, I couldn't find it at first. I, where is that coming from? I've got, I've got to find the source of that amazing smell. And so we continued to kind of walk around there in a little circle pattern. Finally, I spotted it. There, there, there it was, that, 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 that little stand where they actually roast those nuts and they're just in all that awesomeness. And I finally made my way over there. And, and then my wife said, well, are you going to get some? I'm like, babe, I, I don't have any cash, babe. So, so I, you know, I, now at that point, I'm kind of devising a plan to get some cash so that I can get some roasted pecans, right? So, you know, I put on that poor puppy dog look kind of thing. Like, I could really use a five spot right now so I could get me a little paper cone of those roasted pecans. That, that would really be amazing. And so, sure enough, that, that's what I did. I, I bought some and I ate them to the glory of God. Amen. I mean, it was just a, an amazing experience. It was that desire for something that I like, I enjoy, I was drawn to that. I was enticed, you might say, by the smell, the aroma of those freshly roasted cinnamon pecans. I had to get some. I'm even to the point that I I was walking around, like, you know, following my nose to the source of that smell. And and I, I, I had to get some of those in my mouth. That is in many ways the way this whole thing works with temptation. Satan will always use something that appeals to you. It appeals to you. If you're going to set a trap for a mouse or any sort of an animal, typically you have to set the trap and you have to use some kind of bait, something that will attract that mouse or that animal to the trap. And it has to be something that is appealing to them. you got to put a dab of peanut butter on the mousetrap or a, a little chunk of cheese or something that, that would cause a mouse to go, hmm, that smells good. You know, and they're, they're gonna, something that's going to appeal to their flesh, you might say. Something that's going to draw them to that is exactly what Satan does. 
Satan utilizes things that will, that will stir up in us, stir up those fleshly desires, uh, th- th- those, th- th- that I've, I've got to have it, I want it, I need that, that desire. And that's what James is telling us here. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then you'll notice this. It says, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that's where the next thing comes in, and that's deception. Deception. See, when you set a trap for something, you set a trap for a a, a mouse, there's some deception involved, right? I, I mean, you've put something there that is appealing to that mouse, and so the idea is when they come and start to take a bite of that cheese or that peanut butter or whatever, you know what happens? I mean, they trip that little thing and all of a sudden, poosh, and it's all of a sudden not a good day for the little mouse, right? Again, that's the way Satan works. I mean, you take fishing bait. If you were to just take a, a raw hook, I mean, I mean, just to put nothing on it, nothing to disguise it, just tie a hook to the end of your string, throw it in the water, you're probably not going to catch too many fish. Now, you've got to do something to disguise that hook. You've got to do something that makes that a bait and makes it appealing to fish. And depending on the type of fish you're trying to catch, that you've got to use certain kinds of bait. If you're going to try to catch catfish, then you've got to drop some stinky blood bait of some sort or you know, something like that. And you've got to drop it down to the bottom where they dwell. And it's got to be something that appeals to them. If you're going to catch other types of fish, you've got to use other types of bait. And so it can be different for all of us, the different kind of things that appeal to us, that appeal to our flesh. But there's always deception involved. I want to show you this next picture. This is a pretty common sight in this part of the country. Yeah. That, that's that's roadkill. I could have shown you much worse pictures than that one. That, that, that was about the cleanest one I could find when I did my Google search for roadkill. Okay. Most of the images were pretty gross and would make you lose your breakfast this morning. Yeah, that's roadkill, right? So here's the deal. Satan sets you up with freshly roasted cinnamon pecans. Whew, those smell amazing. I need some of that. But what he's really serving you is roadkill. That's what he's really serving you. Can you imagine how I would have felt as I walked out of the Bass Pro Shop that day and I began to unwrap that, 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 that paper cone expecting to reach inside and pull out some freshly roasted cinnamon pecans and I reach inside and I'm like, this is like little chunks of roadkill. This is good. And on my way out, the lady who says, oh yeah, yeah, we're trying something different. We're, we're trying something new. That might make you a little sick there, so be careful how much of that you eat. What? This is not what I wanted. This is not what drew... No, I was expecting freshly roasted cinnamon pecans and I've gotten chunks of roadkill. That's the deception in this whole thing of temptation. People are drawn away by something that appeals to their flesh. They're enticed by that. Do you ever wonder what would make a person use certain types of drugs or, or get addicted to certain things? Do you think they woke up one day and thought, you know what, I I would just love to be a bum on Skid Row, strung out on drugs, no job, no no nothing, that's what I want. No, that's not how it works. 
No, no, no. They, they probably went to some party somewhere, hanging out with a friend. Hey, man, you got to try some of this. This will make you feel amazing. Oh, yeah. It'll give you a trip like you've never been on, man. It's awesome. And it starts with that first time. And then that time leads to another time and another time and another time. And pretty soon, you're eating the roadkill. So there's desire, there's deception, and this is all done, thirdly, by design. By design. Scripture makes it crystal clear that Satan is all about lying. He is all about deceiving. He's out to to kill and to steal and to destroy. He wants to render you ineffective spiritually. And so if he can get you in this place where you're like... You're like, but th- th- this, is, this is amazing over here. This is something that appeals to my flesh. This is something that I had just... But I know I need to be pursuing holiness. But I'm, I'm drawn back to this by my own desires and my own fleshly desire. And I, I, I want some... Of the, but I really know I need to be... You know, and pretty soon you're smack dab in the middle and you're double-minded in all your ways. And the Bible says you're unstable. See how it all fits together? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about getting off the fence and making a decision. And we said, indecision leads to instability. And instability in the Christian life leads to ineffectiveness. And ineffectiveness leads to defeat. And as James says here, to death. You've got to make a decision. While I am passionately pursuing holiness and Christ-likeness, that also means that I must resist, abhor that which is evil. Can't play it both ways. You got to be wise to Satan's schemes. Well, desire, deception, it's all designed in such a way that it leads to finally disobedience. To disobedience. We choose to give in. We choose to give in to that temptation, thinking, well, if I could just satisfy my flesh. It's, 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 It's a scheme that Satan's been using since the beginning. It's the same way in which he appealed to Eve in the Garden of Eden. He used the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. If I just get me some of that, or if I just give in here to this temptation, if I just give in to that temptation, then I can satisfy my flesh. I can satisfy this longing that's deep within me. You've got to understand, even, even though you're a child of God, you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, you still have those fleshly desires. Remember the Apostle Paul said, man, there are things I, I know I should do, but I don't do them. And there are things that I know I shouldn't do, but I find myself doing them. That's, that, that's why Scripture says daily you must die to yourself. You, you've got to lay aside and, and, and die to those fleshly desires. Run to holiness. Pursue holiness. So there's one of two ways that you deal with these things. You can choose to be careful, cautious, Corrective. Certainly you remember when you first started driving a vehicle. Okay, we got some kids in our church who uh, just recently got their driver's license. All right, it's kind of, a, kind of an exciting time. It's, it's also fun to you know, poke fun at them just a little bit. And everything. It's you know, amazing to think we got 16-year-old kids out there driving vehicles, right? And some of it seems like they were just 8 or 9 years old singing in our kids' choir not that long ago. When you first start driving, you know, you're taught to be especially careful. 
to be cautious in how you approach this whole thing of driving. You know, to, to be paying attention to what's going on around you. And, and if they're taught properly, they're taught the importance of defensive driving. It's, it's watching out for the other crazy people out there on the road with you. And, and, and making sure that, you know, everything, making sure your passengers, you yourself are buckled up. You're using caution. You're using great care. And, and if something isn't quite right, then, you, then you're going to do something corrective. That's, that's one of the ways that we can respond to temptation and enticements to evil. The Bible says, see then that you walk circumspectly. Another way of saying that is walk carefully through life. Be cautious. Don't, don't go to some places because it's there that you're very likely to be tempted. There's certain things you shouldn't be watching because it's in that activity that, that it's very likely you'll be tempted, enticed to do something you shouldn't do. Isn't it amazing that as you read stories of, of crime and all these different things, much of the time it's associated with other types of sinful activity. Drug use, for example. C- consuming alcohol to, where you're just out of your mind. I mean, you don't even know what you're, you, all your inhibitions are broken down. All those, it, it's amazing. But the Bible says we should use great caution, great care. We should, we should be corrective and allow God work, God's word to correct us, allow him to correct us by his Holy Spirit. That's one way that we can deal with these sorts of things. Or you can choose to be casual, which leads you to being careless, which every time leads to a collision. See, after I'd been driving for a while, I can remember thinking, I'm pretty good at this. I got this. So when my driving instructor told me that I was supposed to keep my hands at 10 and 2, that, that's not cool. That's like how old grandmas drive, you know, like this. And so you're thinking, I, I got to do this cool, man. I got to start, you know, so you're like driving like this. Or you got to put your arm up on, you know. I mean, it's like, look at that. So now, now you've gone from being careful and cautious and corrective to being casual and, and somewhat careless. And it's that kind of thing that leads to a collision many times. Same is true spiritually. If you're not cautious spiritually, if you're not walking circumspectly, as Scripture says, if you're not paying attention to the warnings found in God's Word, the warning signs that are, that are, that are thrown up in front of you, You'll find yourself headed toward a colossal collision. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a few moments this morning. Well, I realize that some of you might say today, Pastor, I'm, I, I'm, up, I'm, up, I'm up in years now and I, I don't deal with some of the temptations I might have dealt with as a younger person. You might want to think again. The temptations may look a bit different, but they're just as deadly. When things don't go your way, are you tempted to fly off the handle and demand your rights and bow up with pride and arrogance? 
to give in to that kind of temptation is just as deadly. When you find it hard to get out of bed in the morning because you, you're hurting, are you tempted to be a bit bitter perhaps? That bitterness can spring up in you like a root. It's destructive. The temptation may look different for each and every one of us, but the end result is just as deadly. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to take a step of faith this morning, a bold step of faith. Come to a place where you realize, you know, I can't save myself. I, I can't do this on my own. I can't be good enough. I need a Savior. It's where a true spiritual journey begins. It's not found in moralism. You're just turning over a, a leaf and being a better person. And you can't be good enough. It's all about the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. The work's been done. There may be some here today who would say, Pastor, I've been dealing with some temptation in a particular area of my life. And I find my fleshly desires continue to rise up in this particular area. I know that's not a good thing. I need to be more careful. I need to make certain that while I'm passionately pursuing holiness, that I am resisting and fleeing temptation. In just a moment, during a time of invitation, if God's speaking to your heart, working in your life, we invite you to come. If you need to come and pray this morning, we welcome you to do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your word, for how instructive it is. Lord, I thank you that you give us a game plan for resisting temptation, fleeing temptation as we pursue holiness. Lord, help us to choose every day not to gratify our flesh, not to do many times what comes easy, but to crucify our flesh and choose to follow you. Lord, help us to go bold in resisting temptation. We love you, we thank you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Queen City First Baptist Church. We invite you to come worship with us anytime you're near. We're located at 206 Marietta Street, Queen City, Texas. Visit us online at fbcqc.org.